Joy Sauce is a new American Asian media platform that makes space for vibrant, unforgettable stories full of nuance and contradictions seldom discussed in the mainstream, normalizing and celebrating Asian American presence in all facets of media. Enjoy the diverse tapestry of narratives that make up the American Asian landscape at www.joysauce.com. Hey everyone, it's David Chen, the host of the Culturally Relevant Podcast, and welcome to Culturally Relevant Conversations, a special collection of interviews from my podcast featuring Asian diaspora visionaries brought to you courtesy of Joy Sauce. What you're about to hear is my conversation with Siddhant Atlaka about Gurinder Chadha's film Blinded by the Light. From a plot summary online, Blinded by the Light tells the story of Javed, a Pakistani teenager who experiences racial and economic turmoil while living in England. When a classmate introduces him to the music of Bruce Springsteen, it inspires him to find his own voice and follow his dreams. I really like the movie, and I was really happy to chat with Sedanth about it. Sedanth is a filmmaker and film critic whose work has appeared at First Post slash Film and Polygon. We talked about our own immigrant experiences and how well he felt that the immigrant experience was captured by this film. Blinded by the Light is available right now for rent or purchase on video on demand. And this conversation was originally published in August of 2019. 1987. You've got Wham Boys, Banana Rama Girls, and then there's me. Jaffe's never had a girlfriend before against your religion. Writing isn't a job. I need you to do more. Thank me later. I didn't know music could be like that. It's like Bruce knows everything I've ever wanted. Springsteen is what your dad listens to, not my dad. Sufan Thedlaka, thanks so much for joining me today. How are you doing, sir? Good, good. Thank you for having me. So before we even dive into this movie, Blinded by the Light, that we're here to talk about today, uh, I, I want to ask you a question about a message you sent me before uh, we hopped on this call. Uh, we have talked before on the Slash Filmcast yeah. about movies, uh, and when we recorded our episode uh, many months ago, I think it was probably a little over a year ago, uh, you said, uh, hey, feel free to just call me Sid Etlaka, right? Because mm-hmm. you're, you're trying to make it easier for me. But yeah. in, in the messaging before we started this podcast, you said, uh, hey, by the way, FYI, I go by Sithanth now. Um, so, you know, the, you, you specifically called out that you wanted to be referred to by your <laughs> full name. And uh, this is actually something that, like, I've seen uh, happen more often. Like, uh, one of my colleagues at work, uh, has a name that most people don't know how to pronounce, um, but rather than abbreviate it or uh, use a different name or a nickname or anything like that, she still uses the, her full name. And I'm curious, like, what was behind uh, your request of me referring to you by your full name, which is well within your rights to do? Sure. So um, I actually moved to the U.S. Um, 10 years ago this month, actually. Uh, and uh, when I joined college there I just figured going by Sid would be a little easier for everyone because um, English as a language has only 21 consonants um, in Hindi we have many many more and so there are some sounds um, that we're used to saying that a lot of folks in the west I guess don't have the muscle memory for so at the time I thought it would just be easier if I went by Sid and I did for a long time um, but after a while um, I guess I just started to think that I should value my own identity over other people's comfort. And I know that that might sound callous in a way, but uh, the the conversation, when it does come up, even, you know, with people who are used to calling me Sid, it tends to be fairly pleasant. Like we 
like before we recorded this, you know, we, we talked about it pretty casually. So I don't, you know, necessarily have a problem if someone calls me Sid. Uh, I just prefer Sidhant because it's my name. And and if people can learn to say the names in Game of Thrones, I'm sure they can learn to say my name. Um, yeah, I, I think Hassan Minaj on the Ellen show said, like, mm-hmm. hey, if you can pronounce Timothée Chalamet, you there can you learn go. to pronounce my name. But it has been interesting that, like, uh, it does feel like basically names of non-white people in American mm-hmm. culture uh, are often seen as okay to mispronounce, I think. and Yeah, um, and I think, you know, if you go further back in time that, you know, that sort of thing does tend to stem from, um, I guess, a colonial understanding of which names are quote-unquote normal and which right. ones are outside the norm. And, you know, I obviously don't, again, I don't hold it any, against anyone if they can't pronounce my name. I'm not going to say, oh, you're a effing colonizer. But, um, you know, why not? Why not give it a shot? I can pronounce your name. You can try pronouncing mine. <laughs> yeah, I, I deeply respect that. Of course, I mean, uh, as a guy named David Chen, I'm a, I'm a person who whose parents gave him an mm-hmm. Americanized name when, when uh, they moved to this country. They could have called me my Chinese name, uh, but, mm-hmm. like, now my, my legal name is, you know, David Chen. Uh, but it, it, it is it basically I think it's worth pausing to reflect on uh, the fact that you requested I use your your full name the fact that I am named David Chen which is like the most <laughs> bland name ever uh, because it's all about the things that immigrants do to fit in or not fit in it's all about yeah. what immigrants do to like draw the lines and the boundaries between. Uh, where they live and what their identity is, right? And and that's mm-hmm. very much what this movie, Blinded by the Light, is about. Absolutely. Uh, so you wrote uh, fairly positively about this movie at firstpost.com. I thought we could start just by talking about your overall thoughts on the film. Yeah, I really liked it. I think it's very lively and energetic, and uh, the palette is it's so bright and almost candy-colored in moments. And I think... In, in some places, it's caricatured and cartoonish in all the right ways. Because um, you, know, you tend to find a lot of South Asian stories in the West, especially if they're being told by non-South Asian people. Um, very, you know, the characters are very stereotyped and very boxed in, in ways that don't necessarily reflect reality. And I do think Blinded by the Light is dealing in a lot of familiar tropes and stereotypes when it comes to stories of South Asians in the West, but approached with a lot more care and a lot more familiarity. Um, and I, it's it's something that Gurinder Chadda has been doing for quite some time. Um, you know, you could essentially remix Blinded by the Light and come out with Bendit like Beckham on the other side. Um, but uh, she also has this ability to really zero in on the specifics of, um, you know, the meeting point between British, Asian, and British Asian in general as its own unique thing. And so I think she was probably the perfect person to tell the story. Let me ask you, were you a Springsteen fan before you watched the movie? Not really. Um, I am, you know, I'm aware of Springsteen because uh, my parents uh, grew up in the 70s and 80s, of course, in India, where Western culture at the time wasn't as all-encompassing as it is now. But uh, they, you know, they were Springsteen fans, I guess you could say. Um, and it's it's hard not to be familiar with songs like Born in the USA when, yeah, 
So I, I knew of Springsteen. I knew a couple of songs here and there. Uh, I think it's always kind of a danger when you're watching a movie that's primarily about the music of somebody who you're not necessarily a fan of, right? And mm-hmm. for me, like, I'll just say, yeah, I'm I'm also aware of Bruce Springsteen. I know several friends and colleagues who are massive fans of Bruce Springsteen, but he's not someone that whose work I follow in any meaningful mm-hmm. uh, degree. And so one question I had when when I started watching this movie was, is this movie going to... Uh, make me like Bruce Springsteen more, you know? Or is mm-hmm. it going to be, be off-putting to people who aren't huge fans of, of Bruce Springsteen? And for me, the answer is uh, that I think it did give me a, a better appreciation of Springsteen's music. What did you think? Um, I think the perspective of the film lends itself to that because um, Javed is also, you know, discovering Springsteen for the first time. You know, he's someone he's never heard of. Um, and when he listens to him for the first time, you have you know, his his lyrics, you know, flashing on the screen around Javed. Um, he, you know, walks through his own life and draws these connections between his life and Springsteen's. So, um, you know, in a way, you know, you're learning about Springsteen for the first time the same way, the same way this character is, and in a very intimate and personal way. Yeah, I would say that for me, the two things this movie did really well are, number one, demonstrate the transcendent nature of art or pop culture, whatever you want to call Bruce Springsteen, you know, great music, uh, mm-hmm. to bring people together from all around the world, right? That that there's something about this music uh, that reaches beyond cultures and generations uh, and that can stir people's hearts and inspire them uh, regardless of where they are. Uh, and that great art has the ability to do that. It, it can transcend uh, human barriers and borders uh, to bring people together. And, and that I think the movie does really well. Uh, and the other thing it does really well is kind of ground that in this setting of uh, a uh, South Asian family living in the UK. And uh, how, you know, I'm used to immigrant stories that happen in the US, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, many Asian American stories have cropped up recently. Um, the Farewell and Crazy Rich Asians and like the, those movies have done a, a pretty good job of kind of demonstrating what it's like to be an Asian American uh, and, and the things that people need to navigate when, when they're Asian Americans. Um, and, and I feel like this movie uh, does, does a similar thing, but it's not in America. It's not, even mm-hmm. though it's very American in its ideals and America itself is held up as an ideal, uh, it's takes place in the UK, uh, and it, it is still a very compelling immigrant story about assimilation, about uh, trying to fit in. Uh, that just happens to take place in a different country, and uh, I found it to be very powerful in that regard. Uh, in your review at FirstPost.com. You write, there is watching a film and seeing your story unfold from a distance, and then there is watching Blinded by the Light, a hyperactive retelling of your own best, worst, most awkward coming-of-age years, making you relive each moment in vivid colors, end quote. Um, so you are South Asian, uh, Sithanth. I know, uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I believe you're not Pakistani, as the character was in, in the movie, but uh, it did seem like when you're writing this review that there were elements of this person's life the main character's life that you recognized in your own experiences? Uh, is that true? And if so, can you talk more about that? So the way I see it for the character, for Javed's father, Malik, um, 
And I guess for a lot of um, immigrant families in the 80s and 90s, uh, there's this sense of wanting to be like, you know, the model minority, you know, put your head down, do your work and, you know, just, you know, assimilate as best you can and, you know, things will work out, which, you know, the, the reality to that is obviously a little different. Uh, for me, the way it worked was, so I, I moved to the States to uh, to pursue the arts. I uh, went, to, went to a university in New York uh, as a double major in film and theater, you know, thinking that theater is the space where, you know, hey, you know, everything's make-believe, you know, stuff like race ideally shouldn't matter. But then I found that there were, even even in like the theater department, there were just no roles for me. Um, in, in an institution where I'm paying to learn, where I'm paying to, you know, have more experience on stage, uh, there would just, you know, be nothing for me, nothing for someone who looked like me, nothing for someone who sounded like me. And, you know, of course, I could, you know, do an American accent and everything, but even the way that conversation would be approached would be, hey, can you lose your accent or can you do it without an accent? As if to say, the American accent is a default and not an accent in and of itself. So I was the non-default while everything American and white was the default, the normal way of doing things. Whereas my experiences were termed even by a lot of my friends, like, oh, you, you guys do that? That's so weird, as opposed to, oh, that's different, you know? Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's it's crazy. I was watching this uh, tourism video yesterday because my wife and I are considering taking a trip to uh, Japan uh, mm -hmm. in September. We were kind of searching for, uh, hey, things to do in Tokyo, like wherever we're going, and we were watching these uh, YouTubers run through a bunch of topics. And one of the things is like, here's top 10 things to do in Japan. And one of the things made by these YouTubers, who by the way are white, uh, was mm -hmm. uh, enjoy the weird cuisine of the oh, local culture. Gosh. And it's just like, what the heck, dude? Like, you mean they're, the, the, the food that they cherish and is a huge part of their heritage? Uh, <laughs> it, it, it is interesting how people ground themselves and, and particularly um, many Americans ground themselves as like the center of uh, mm -hmm. their, like normalization and uh, and everything else is other and I think that one thing that this movie tries to hide that's bitterly ironic in this movie in my opinion is the fact that the main character uh, feels like America, which is the source of Bruce Springsteen, right? The source of mm -hmm. Bruce Springsteen's work and that captures a lot of his ethos. Uh, he has an idealized version of America, right? That, mm -hmm. that, that we all probably had at some uh, point in our lives. He says, yeah. in America, they don't care where you're from, right? <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, what we've discovered is that in some ways they do. And whether, whether people realize or are conscious of the fact that they care about where you're from. Like they might yeah. not be conscious of it, but they still on some level react to it. They have yeah. feelings about it. I, I did feel like this movie has a um, better version of America uh, laid out by its main character than actually exists in real life. What do you think about that? Yeah, I agree. It's, it's the sort of retroactive, the desolization of the American ideal, the way something like Hamilton does it. You know, whereas, um, you know, in, in real life, things went very differently. But with something like Hamilton, uh, you have Lin-Manuel Miranda going back and saying, hey, you know, these are the ideals that this country was supposedly founded upon. Yeah. So why don't we try and work towards that a little more? 
yeah. than you know a little more than we have. Um, yeah, and in that way, I think like the movie is somewhat inspiring, you know, because it it does put forth this version of America that we can be if we if we try for it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, on you know America on paper versus America in practice. Yeah. Uh, all right. Before we get to spoilers, anything else you want to say about Blinded by the Light from a non-spoiler perspective? Mm. Uh, I think it. I think the costume choices are really interesting. I think the way Javed quite literally blends into his environment a lot of the times. Like the first time you see him at school, he, you know, he's basically the same color as the walls around him. Mm-hmm. Um, it it gives you the sense that he's just, you know, completely invisible. But you know, Springsteen helps him mold his identity in you know not just. Not just in how he feels, but in also how he presents himself. He starts to, you know, he starts to stick out more. He starts to stand out a lot more, and he's able to really put himself out there. I think the way the costume and production design, you know, works in tandem to achieve that is really great. And yeah, that's that's the only non-spoiler bit I can point to at the moment. <laughs> one one other thing, I guess we should we should talk about before we get to spoilers, which is mm-hmm. what did you think of the musical numbers in this movie? Because I have to say. That was something I was really not a fan of. I, I, I did not okay. appreciate how they executed the musical numbers. And so we should point out that the way it's done in the movie is there are, in a typical musical, right, um, like Chicago, for instance, mm-hmm. or even La La Land, right, the musical numbers take place in a reality that's not the reality of the rest of the film. Right, mm-hmm. so it's like everyone starts singing, they start dancing, and it's like, okay, clearly, in in every other scene, they're acting normally, they're acting like this is a regular situation, but then during the musical number, it's like, oh, we get to be fantastical, like this is kind of like an imagined meta plane that this mm-hmm. this kind of musical number exists on. You, that's one way you can do it. Another way you can do it is having all the music be diegetic, right? Like mm-hmm. it's part of the reality of the film. And people don't snap out of it into another world, and it's just kind of like part of the the fabric right. of the movie. This movie opts for some weird hybrid between the two, where like Bruce Springsteen's music is playing, and the people in the in the movie are kind of singing along to it, and then sometimes it's happening in this weird alternate. It feels like it's like a little weird alternate reality, but it's not really. Uh, I, I didn't care for it. What did you think? So I guess I'm I'm much more used to that happening in cinema, you know, uh, having grown up in India. And I think Gurinder Chadda, being of Indian origin, uh, does come from, in many ways, a filmmaking tradition where, you know, those rules don't seem to matter as much. Where it's like, are we are we in, you know, the reality of the movie or are we in some other imagined reality? You know, at the end of it, um, I think if, you know, it rings emotionally true, then it's fine. It doesn't really matter you know, whether or not these people are really dancing in the real world or not, because, you know, they're dancing on our screens and that's how they're expressing themselves. So to me, it, it didn't really stick out very much because, you know, that's stuff I'm just used to seeing. I wasn't as much bothered by it tonally as I was from like an executional standpoint, if that makes sense. Okay, like if, that's fair. if you're gonna have a dance number, like do a dance number, you know, do like mm-hmm. have like a nice choreographed dance number where like I'm impressed by what's actually happening on screen and clearly a lot of effort was put into it as opposed to I feel like, you know, they just shot the, the actors having fun 
lip syncing to Bruce Springsteen's music for an afternoon, which is how it feels like a lot of the musical numbers went down. It does feel to me like there were some budgetary limitations to this, and maybe that's what's driving it. And if that's the case, I completely understand. But I just wish it had been a little bit more elaborate, if that makes any sense. Okay. Or or yeah, extremely that. not like it needed to be more elaborate or less elaborate. I guess is how I feel okay. about it. Um, but yeah, what's there didn't quite work for me from a musical perspective. That's totally fair. You know, for for me, I, I enjoyed the I guess the simplicity of it. The simplicity of um, you know Javed just this character who was previously like very still, very stilted. You know, starting to you know break out into dance along with the people around him. Um, I do feel that. You know, the musical stuff, um, after a certain point, began to feel repetitive. Like, um, there's only so many shots you can have of Javed and his friends running towards the camera, yeah. you know, with smiles on their face before. It's like, okay, we've we've, we've established <laughs> we this it. exact they're, shot 60 times. Yeah. yeah, they're happy to be listening to Bruce Springsteen. We get it. Yeah, you. I feel like you really need something else to justify why okay, you're having fair. a musical number, you know? Yeah. Um, but in any case, yeah, so that that's, that's really one of the only parts of the movie that didn't work for me. What do you want? A show that plays only Bruce Springsteen. Huh? Nothing but Springsteen. <laughs> that's your idea. Bruce has a lot to say to students in this college. How will they know there's something better out there if they don't hear it? My job is to play music that the students will connect to. Yeah, that means bros. That means curiosity. And yes, that even means Debbie Gibson. But Springsteen, he's more what your dad listens to. Not my dad. Let's dive into spoilers for Blinded by the Light starting right sure. now. So if you haven't seen the movie, don't want to be spoiled. Uh, you should tune out. I'll just say I was reduced to a sobbing mess by the end of this movie. I don't know about you, but <laughs> I, I think that one of the things this movie does really well is it, it tries to get at this challenge that many immigrants have of being your own person while at the same time not alienating your family. Right, like, like that is a challenging thing because uh, many uh, East Asian and South Asian societies are very like patriarchal. The emphasis is very much on the family and loyalty to the family, even if the family's values aren't your own, aren't the values that you've learned in your new country. And I felt like that's one thing this movie nailed is that like, hey, this is a challenge. Uh, and it can be difficult to adjust to the culture of a new land. And when you move there, when you move your family there, as the father figure in this family did, uh, you have to expect that maybe your kids are going to adopt some of those values, and those values may conflict with your own, and that will create problems. And trying to reconcile those problems is what this movie does at the end, uh, and I think it did it in a very beautiful fashion. What do you think? Yeah, I think um, the basis for a lot of modern storytelling when it deals with people from post-colonial cultures, whether it's, you know, the families having moved to a new country or even, you know, sometimes you have this sort of story being told in India as well, where, you know, um, the parents have a certain set of traditional values, the kids, you know, having been brought up in a more Western environment have a different set of values. And a lot of the times, you know, it tries to find this, you know, happy, healthy medium between, uh, you know, pure collectivism and pure individualism. And um, it's a story we've seen, you know, told over and over again, even by Gurinder Chadda herself. But I think what this one in particular does is it takes uh, a story that, to me at least, you know, feels familiar given how many, time I've se- how many times I've seen it. And it infuses it with something very, very specific that we haven't quite seen before. 
And it, it does it in a very visual way as well. Uh, because, you know, Springsteen and his music means so much to this kid that it's not just something you see him sit quietly in a corner and listen to. You see this sort of visual explosion. You can tell that this is a huge paradigm shift for the character. And a big reason it worked for me is because it's introducing a kind of visual electricity that stories like this don't always have. Because most of the time you see it, it's very much about like, well, I want this, but my family wants this. And, you know, not to say that there's anything wrong with that sort of story, because it is, you know, so common for so many of us. And that's why it has repeated so many times in cinema. But what Blinded by the Light does is it visualizes its stakes in a really unique way. Like, this is this constricting, you know, environment that I come from versus this enormous visual painting is the kind of liberation and freedom that I could have. So are you, what are you, exactly are you referring to? Because one of the things the movie does is, is it does use a lot of visual tricks to represent what the music means to mm-hmm. the main character, right? So uh, lyrics will appear on screen and animate, right, uh, around yeah. the character's face. Uh, there's one scene where the character stands outside and, you, like, lyrics are projected against the wall next to him so you can see, like, how physically large... Uh, these lyrics and ideas loom in their mindset. Uh, is that what you're referring to when you say visually representing, or is there something else? In part, yeah. Uh, that would be most of it, and especially in a scene like that where there's a literal storm that he has to fight against. There's moments where you know he's pushing basically against the wind, you know, as if to say, like, this is the struggle I'm up against, but now I've got this music and this new form of identity on my side. It is something I can push through. I can... I can basically fight nature now that I have this 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 new perspective. Indeed, indeed. Uh, I was very moved by the final speech he gives. You know, it's it's like a bit. It's a great summation of all the challenges that this character has gone through, uh, and I thought it was pretty well done. I mean, one thing we haven't really talked about is this idea of. Uh, immigrants going into the arts, right? And mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you have any experience with this, but certainly, you know, my parents wanted me to be uh, like a, a doctor or a lawyer, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Which is like a very common trope that uh, that East Asian, you know, immigrant families, you know, they, they have these kinds of standards for the children. And mm-hmm. so they, they, to a large extent, they don't even comprehend what a podcast is. You know, like I don't, <laughs> they've never listened to a podcast in their entire life. And I don't think they'll, ever understand fully what it is I spend a lot of my time doing. Um, mm. And uh, that that's kind of why the scene at the end, you know, and this whole, his whole quest to, like, make his parents understand how important it is uh, that he become a writer was so important to, like, why that meant a lot to me personally as well. Um, did you have any kind of similar feelings when you're watching that final scene? Yeah. So by the time it gets to the final scene, um, I think I sort of, you know, expected it to go pretty much in that direction. Because once you watch enough movies about, you know, specifically about South Asian families in the West, you kind of come to expect, okay, at the end, there's going to be this big public declaration, and you know, this reconciliation of two sides. And I don't think it's a bad thing that it happens so often. I think if a movie like Blinded by the Light can figure out a way to, you know, do it differently you know i think i think that works and i think it works within the movie as well uh because by the end of the film he hasn't you know fully found himself if anything he has you know been able to admit that hey you know finding springsteen was great but it kind of 
closed him off in a lot of ways to, you know, what his family wanted and, you know, who they are as people and their experiences. So it's his, it's, I guess, the beginning of his reconciliation as if to say, you know, hey, I'm, I'm still a bit lost. Uh, like that, you know, fireside talk between father and daughter in eighth grade. Like, okay, there's still, there's still a long ways to go, but this is where we are right now. This is the beginning of us hopefully being able to, you know, fix things. Yeah, and uh, one other thing I thought was interesting about the movie is the movie kind of uh, makes the father figure into a uh, a source of much stress and angst in the main character's life, uh, but it doesn't make him villainous, you know? And mm-hmm. I think that's... I feel like I've seen a version of that, of this movie where that character is villainous, but it does give that character a lot of dignity. There is that scene where uh, his wife is dyeing his hair and and she kind of reaffirms his contributions to the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just thought that was an interesting approach to take for this movie, given that, like... He, the, that character enforces constraints upon his children that many Westerners would think are extremely punishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think of how the movie treated the the father character? I think what separates Blended by the Light from a lot of films of its ilk is that it's as much about the father as it is about the son. Um, you know, like you said, that character can you know, often be villainous in a film like that. And uh, in in many cases, it can work. There was a Norwegian film not too long ago, a couple of years ago, called What Will People Say? Uh, in which um, it, it's a similar story about, you know, South Asians in Europe, but it, it plays out almost like a horror movie. And um, a lot of the source of that horror is the father character. But this one, I think, rightly approaches... Malik, Javed's father, with a nuance that is necessary for the story because it's not purely about Javed saying, okay, I'm, you know, throwing off the shackles of of this oppressive traditional culture and moving towards, you know, America or Springsteen. It's, you know, because Malik, you know, his father does in a way represent all the things that he sees as oppressive, as limiting. Um... But as the as the film goes on, you know, both Javed and I guess the film as an entity start to explore his perspective a little more, his nuances a little more, as if to say, you know, hey, he's not a bad person for, you know, having done the things he's done, having, you know, set the restrictions that he set. This is just where he's coming from. This is, you know, the life he has lived that has led him here. Yeah, which doesn't make him necessarily bad or irredeemable. And I love that Kulvinder Ghir is the, the actor who plays this character because he was a big on this mid-late 90s British sketch show called Goodness Gracious Me, which uh, delved into a lot of uh, South Asian stereotypes in Britain where actors like him would, you know, I, I guess play versions of their own parents in, in in some ways, and so, and that show was of course very you know caricatured and cartoonish, but would manage to find the nuances here and there that, um, you know, shows or movies made by white people uh, which featured Indian characters may not have been able to. So, and I think he brings a lot of that 
that same energy to the film where, you know, he starts out this very loud and boisterous and, you know, caricatured South Asian father, but then, you know, slowly peels back the layers as if to say, you know, all these things, all these stereotypes, this is, this is where they come from. This is the reality beneath, you know, the jokes and the cartoonishness. So before we wrap up here, Sithanth, I do want to ask you about uh, whether or not you've seen Yesterday, the Danny Boyle movie. Oh, have I? It oh, does, I have feelings on that movie. It does occur to me that this is the second film this summer mm-hmm. to release in which a uh, South Asian person living in the United Kingdom learns valuable lessons through the power of pop music. <laughs> uh, and I think these movies are very, very different. Uh, but I, I am curious, like when you, when you look on these movies, like, do, do you feel like there's anything to the fact that we got two of these movies in one summer? I think we got one of them by accident. <laughs> I think yesterday it's a very well-intentioned film, but it, to me, at least it's very clearly written with a white lead in mind. And, you know, Danny Ball at some point said, you know, I'm, I'm going to cast a South Asian instead, which was very noble of him, which was very good of him. Uh, you know, I think I respect the fact that, you know, he pushed for Himesh Patel to be cast in that role. But then when you, you know, just insert a person of color into a role like that, yeah, some some things don't play quite the same. Like the movie opens with, you know, his white boss, you know, dressing him down because he has a beard. And that that is something that is very, very, very loaded um, yeah. even in Britain. Um, and you know, things like that, that don't quite play the same. And, you know, him being South Asian doesn't really have anything to do with the story. Um, and you know, some part of me thinks that you know, maybe it shouldn't, maybe, uh, you know, it, it's nice to have a mainstream film like that where, you know, uh, someone who looks like me is in the film and his race doesn't matter. But uh, oftentimes, race blindness is just a nice way of saying, well, you know, he's basically white, but played by a person of color. Mm. And because, you know, inherently, uh, a South Asian growing up in the West would have a unique perspective on something like the Beatles, something on, you know, uh, such a big part of Western pop culture. Right. I mean, we see in this movie, Blinded by the Light, that like a perspective of a South Asian person can it, it can be like. Light, literally life transforming, right? Exactly. That, that, that exactly. perspective on um, uh, on a piece of pop culture, but like I think, I think that there are, there are like broader weaknesses of the movie yesterday that like kind of surpass its its setup or its casting, right? Yeah, it it doesn't really do much with its premise, and yeah. <laughs> weirdly enough, there are certain jokes that only work if the main character is white. Like when he's pitching the White Album and an executive system, there might be some diversity issues there. Like that doesn't mean anything unless you have a white character in that role. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't yeah. doesn't work as well. Um, yeah, but but, uh, but yeah, so Blinded by the Light feels like it's not just about a South Asian person, but about Bruce Springsteen. Whereas yesterday, both you know the South Asian character and the Beatles kind of feel incidental to it because you yeah. could swap out the for any band and you know it could be the same movie yeah 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 yeah. there's this phenomenon called twin movies right where Mm -hmm, like dante's mm -hmm. peak and volcano came out around the same time 
this almost feels like twin movies to me, but not really for reasons you've just identified, right? Their premises are similar, but they're they're not really the same at all. Like, it is interesting to kind of see like how this quasi premise can be explored in different mm-hmm. ways from a racial perspective. As you said, like in one movie, the race is almost completely unacknowledged, right? And then in this one, it's a huge part of it. And I, I don't yeah. think one story is more invalid than the other. I think that like, mm-hmm. I, you know, Speaking from uh, an East Asian perspective, I would love to have both kinds of stories in American pop mm-hmm. culture, right? Stories where uh, one's Asian-American heritage is really important and then stories where it's not. Um, yeah. I think that would be great. Of course, as you've identified, though, in Yesterday, there are ways that race bumps up against the premise in, in, in manners that are like <laughs> unfortunate, right? Like yeah. it's, it's like, oh, it's kind of clunky, honestly, the way it deals with some of those aspects. So... Uh, anyway, I had to, had to ask yeah. you about that before we wrap up today. Of course, but... and and the twin movies thing is also interesting because we're entering this this phase of you know mainstream studio filmmaking where you know you can't really make a a mid budget movie unless it's attached to some sort of familiar IP. So when it comes to musicians, you can either have the biopic or you know you can have something like this where it is based entirely around the discography of a well known musician. So I think we're probably going to see more and more of those kind of like jukebox musicals in a way if you could choose who gets the next jukebox musical who would you choose um gosh kanye west but he <laughs> would have to play the role himself and he would have to direct it himself that is the only <laughs> way i could see it all right sounds good sounds good um well sithan tadlaka is a filmmaker and film critic whose work has appeared at first post slash film polygon and the juggernaut.com. He also has a Patreon. We'll link to it in the show notes. And his review of Blinded by the Light appears at firstpost.com. Sithan, thanks for joining me today on. Thank Cultural you for Relevant. having me. Yeah, I appreciate it.